The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. His words of our blessed Lord point to the fact that love is the foundation of everything that we believe, everything that law commands of us. In fact, we could go through the entire catechism of the Catholic Church, and every single paragraph, we could ultimately point to the simple fact that in some way it calls us to love either God or our neighbor. Love is the foundation of all of these things. It's for that reason that the great St. Augustine, doctor of the church, was able to say, love, then do what you will. Contemporary ears hear that and take it out of context. Contemporary minds would easily think, love God and do what you want. It's okay, God loves you. He forgives you. Everything will be fine. Indeed, God does love us. But this is not what St. Augustine would have meant. St. Augustine's words talk to us, they speak to us the reality that if we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, if we love God perfectly, we cannot sin. If we love God, there is nothing that we would do that would offend God or neighbor. Otherwise, we would not be loving them. And this is the reality, is that St. Augustine sets for us perfect love of God and then do whatever we will, because then it will indeed be perfect. But I can speak from my own experience, and I would think that you can likely think of yours as well, that we don't always love perfectly. Indeed, we can love, but sometimes our love is less than all that we have. This is what our Lord invites us to look to today, to the quality of our love. Our Lord didn't say, love the Lord your God with most of your mind, most of your heart, and as much soul as you can muster in that particular moment. He said, all of it, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your heart, to love God wholly and entirely. This is our task. It begins first with love of God, of course, the first commandment. To love God with all of our heart is certainly to have fervor in our prayer, to be a people of prayer, who when we turn to the blessed Lord, we are there not with a a coldness in our heart, but with a fire, a fire because we are close to the fiery heart of Jesus Christ, the burning heart of our Savior, 
has lit us on fire. This is what God desires to see. But it doesn't mean that our prayer, it doesn't mean that our Christian life is reduced merely to emotions. If we feel good about things, then we are on fire for God. Certainly not. There are many times where a soul may not be feeling necessarily on love, in love for God, but can be actually doing it perfectly. We can think of no better example than our blessed Lord, who as he climbed upon the cross probably was not excited about the task. And yet, it was the sign of perfect love, offering himself for his friends, us. Is the choosing of love, the making an act of the will that is so great. And this act of the will extends to the rest of our life as well, not simply to love the Lord our God in prayer, but to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul in every aspect of our lives. To assent to the teachings of the church wholeheartedly and completely, not half-heartedly and as we might choose as convenient for us. To look to be faithful to Christ in the sacraments and in prayer. This is to show our love for the Lord, to be present to him, to celebrate the sacraments worthily, to enter into the mystery of mysteries that we have here in Holy Mass and in the other fonts of grace that come forth in the life of the church. To love God is also to put ourselves at the service of the church. Each of us questioning our heart, to what extent do we put ourselves to the service of God in the Christian community? What task do we take up to show our love for God in the house of God? In short, also, how do we live integrity? A temptation is certainly in the world today that we get from the first, really, is a temptation to live our Catholic faith boldly and zealously here and at home. But how easy it is in the public forum to set it aside. You'd be fearful sometimes even to make the sign of the cross before meals in public. These temptations can arise in the human heart to separate us from the love of God, to bring fear when perfect love casts out fear. Christ desires our love, and is he who has loved us first. He invites us to fill ourselves with his love, and then to return it back. In returning it back, we also, of course, show our love to our neighbor. In a sense today, we get a buy one, get one free deal from our blessed Lord. They only asked for what was the greatest commandment, he gave them both a freebie, and yet an essential one that our blessed Lord has intimately tied together with the first. Elsewhere in the scriptures, we are reminded that whatever you do or do not do to the least of these, you do or do not do to me. So our blessed Lord purposely pulls together these two. To love God is necessarily to love neighbor. If we do not love the neighbor that we see, how can we love the God that we cannot see? 
And so we turn to our neighbor to manifest this love of God as well. And the readings today also give us a bit of encouragement, reminding, reminding us of the particular people put in our lives. In the first reading, we hear about the widows, the orphans, those who are poor. I'm always fascinated by the reality of the task that is set to be able to loan but not ask for anything in return as far as interest. I wonder what the diocese thinks of that. I won't ask the bishop. There's this reality, though, that we are called to be generous in our love, especially to the people around us. It's not just the widows and the orphans and the poor and whatever quotations we might like to put on it that we can put someone else. They're somewhere out there. The person that we are called to love is the person next to you in the pew, is the person in front of you in the pew, is the person somewhere else around, and it's every single person you will come across today. Because this is the great task, is God's, God has called us to love, not just in a general sense, but in a very, very uncomfortably particular sense. To love everyone around us. To love the people who don't line up with our political beliefs. To love the politicians who do or do not do the things which we believe they ought to do. To love the people who are in traffic. The ones who cut us off and the ones that we might cut off because they're going too slow. These are the ones we are called to love. Called to love spouses, children, friends, strangers, every person around us, to love them. When we say that, though, it can sometimes sound very normal to us. It's normal for us to hear the call of love for our neighbor. There wasn't a collective gasp from the congregation when Jesus said in the gospel, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Nobody went, oh, I thought it was another commandment. Right? We all know it. It's normal to us. It's our everyday language. And we are, when we are immersed in holy things, sometimes we can become numb to holy things. They become normal to us. The call of love can easily fall in that category of something that we know we should do, but it doesn't always strike us practically. The Lord God wants us to be able to will the good of the other as other. This is what St. Thomas Aquinas would call love. To love your neighbor is to will the good of the other as other, to desire their good, to desire God's blessing upon the person around you, to earnestly desire it as well not just half-heartedly, all of your heart, to desire God to pour out his abundant blessings upon that person that is next to you, that you come across. Again, there ought to be, I hope, an intensity to this. Again, the quality of our love. St. Thomas, again, just as St. Augustine could easily be taken and twisted to be able to mean whatever one wants to do, it's okay to do, which would be foolishness. St. Thomas Aquinas could easily be twisted as well in this reality of to love is to will the good of the other as other. I just, I desire God's blessing upon you. I don't have to like you, right? I just want God to bless you. That's not a high quality love. 
there should be a concern, a kindness, a gentleness, a warmth to our love. Because this is what the scriptures tell us. At most weddings, whenever you attend a Catholic wedding, usually the reading from 1 Corinthians is read, the 13th chapter. It sounds a nice, beautiful, and poetic thing to be able to love one's spouse in these ways, but the Lord God doesn't just apply it. We, we use the, the, the love is paragraph for weddings because it's particularly important because the marriage is meant to be an icon of the Blessed Trinity. But St. Paul wasn't just writing about married couples. He was saying this is the love we are called to have, period, within our hearts. A love that is patient, kind, not jealous, not boastful, not arrogant, not rude. It is not insisting on its own way, not irritable, not resentful, does not rejoice in wrong, but rejoices in the good. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, endures all things. And it is that love that we are called to have to every person around us. That, my brothers and sisters, is a hard task. Because we're not always on our A game. We're not always having the best day. We're not always in a perfectly good mood, well-rested and well-fed. Ultimately, even in all of the best of those circumstances, all of the best of ourselves, we still can't love perfectly. Accept with the love of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is why we are here. To worship God with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with all of our soul. And to know that he and his love for us and the abundance of his goodness will turn to us and pour out his grace. He will place into our souls in the most mysterious of manners his life. He who already dwells there to come and to increase his life within us, wells, wellsprings of water, welling up to eternal life within us. This is the gift of the Mass, and this is the power of the Mass, because we cannot live the Christian life without Christ's grace. If the Lord calls us to love God with all of ourselves, we can't do it without his help. Elsewhere in St. John's Gospel, he says, without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say, without me, you can't do a lot of things. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. The only thing that we can do without God is sin. And we can do it real well. But with God, with his grace, we are able to love. Because we ourselves have first been loved. So as we come and offer this Holy Mass, it's an opportunity to look at the quality of our love. Do we give of ourselves generally to God, first and foremost? Do we give generously and warmly to those around us? And ask our Lord to increase our love by the love of his heart that burns for us in the Eucharist.